welcome to Beyond Beckdale, the podcast about film and feminism. I'm your host, Contrera. In this episode, we have a great interview with two very talented ladies, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So first... I'm Jeunesse Roux. I'm the director of the Paris International Film Festival, which just wrapped up with really, really inspiring filmmakers for change from five continents. And I'm also a filmmaker. I'm the director, producer, actor, and writer of The Golden Age which was awarded in the USA and also opened the London Film Festival. And Jenna and I are joined by... Hi, Rustin. I am the founder of Bronglade 27 Tales and also um, a writer on that. Um, so on that website, um, I offer film reviews and I'm also a content creator, so looking at travel and lifestyle as well. And so all of those sections at various points merging together. I am a Francophile, uh, hence the name of my website. So I do speak French and go over to France as often as I can um, when we can travel as well. So you will find that I do have a tendency to watch quite a lot of French films. Um, so there's a connection as well. I am also one of the um, network of influencers for the Bird's Eye Views project uh, Reclaim the Frame which is very much focused on promoting women in film and also some of those first-time female film directors and giving them the voice and a platform and increasing more audiences to watch um, films by female film directors. So that is a really good campaign. I would recommend a lot of people um, to follow the hashtag Reclaim the Frame. There are usually film screenings and panel sessions as well, um, which are really good to be a part of. Latoya and Jenna just did all the hard work for me, so... I will move straight to our interview. We cover a number of subjects because we have filmmaking, event festival organising, film journalism, content creation, acting, editing, you name it, between these two. They've done it. Lots of links and further information in the show notes, but let's go straight to this interview. Enjoy. And Jenna, where are you now? Are you in Paris? I'm in Paris, yes. I'm not complaining. It's so sunny. It's really sunny here. I hope it's yeah, sunny very more too. It's beautiful. Um, so let's start with how you two met <laughs> each other. You, you mentioned it earlier, Jenna. So how did you two become in each other's orbits? Because obviously you both seem to be doing the same thing and are the perfect match to have on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Latoya is such a wonderful Francophile and I discovered her media. I think, like, originally, I think it's thanks to the Shakespeare sisters, uh, whose film, Subject to 16, has its French premiere at the Paris International Festival and was awarded Best Comedy Feature. And so it's through Anna Elizabeth and Hilary, I got to discover Latoya's media, Foglet 27. And I was like, oh, someone 
who writes such beautiful reviews and also who's such a francophile. She has to have such a diploma from France, so we connected like this, and she wrote a, a wonderful review of a golden Asian. And I, I love being on her website. I love reading her views as a francophile, but also like from the outside, if that makes sense. I think it's very refreshing to hear her take on films, and she's been championing the festivals. She she just wrote a wonderful review on Kiss the Ground, the environmental documentary, which was our best documentary winner, uh, narrated by Woody Harrelson with Jason Mraz and Patricia Arquette, and a lot of the other official selections. So we are, we're really thankful for her championing our filmmakers here at the festival. And is, is that how it was for you, Latoya? Did, did you know Jennifer? Uh, did you know Jenna before? No. So I knew the Shakespeare sisters um, as I had reviewed their film Soundtrack to Sixteen and had attended the film premiere of that film, which was in March last year and was one of the very last films that I was able to see before we went into lockdown. Um, so I met them all there as well and Ella um, who has her short film as well, Forty Roots, um, so I knew all of them and, and made that connection with Jenna thereafter. Oh, that's nice. And um, okay, so maybe let's talk about both of your beginnings then. So, Jenna, what did you, you know when you were introducing yourself? You have a lot of skills. <laughs> there are lots of things that you do. Did you go to drama school? Was acting your first love or filmmaking? Thank you. So yes, I I'm, I've graduated from drama school both in Paris and Los Angeles. So I started really. The most early, definitely as an actor, because I started to take theater classes um, near Paris and in Paris at eight years old. But I also really started in the industry as a young adult in the distribution world. I worked in TV London and also um, at the oldest film company in France, which I'm sure Latoya knows the more. And I was in their sales, international sales department and working with about 200 festivals on five continents and it really inspired me to see such wonderful directors of programming around the world having such a passion for films and programming such brilliant, wonderful films with beautiful messages and obviously artistic quality. So it's been really inspiring for me. So I definitely call myself a director. I think I'm mostly a director, but I'm a director who makes films um, about artists struggling to find their roles in the world. So as a festival director, our, our goal really is to shape the future of distribution, which is to push the filmmakers from any background um, and great, great messages for change. So for me, the festival really is the automatic continuity of my work as a filmmaker, because as, as Zalatoya knows, The Golden Age is also a film about artists. It's, uh, it's a tribute to artists, all artists, um, and especially those in the 60s who brought change in this village called Saint-Tropez, which was such an, an artistic international hub. So the cause is definitely the same, be it as a festival director or a filmmaker. And you're also the star of the Golden Age. Thank you. In the film, I'm an actor called Angèle, and she is a tribute to all the wonderful females in the industry who consider that... Um, you know, she's an actor in the film, but if she's not successful, it's okay. 
you know, we don't necessarily ask too much of her. And she considers she she really deserves more than that. And this is why she feels so uncomfortable. And I've felt so inspired by the wonderful women, you know, Brigitte Bardot, Françoise Sagan, and all the women and men who fought for change. And I really inspired from them to embody Angel. And it's been a great honor. Yeah, and it looks like, I've only seen the trailer, but it looks like a beautiful movie. I would like to see the film. Um, so, Latoya, would you call yourself a journalist? PR? What, well, how do you classify yourself? Apart from a, a, a franglais, <laughs> a lover of films. Yes, so I would probably primarily say film reviewer and content creator. Um, so I will review films. Um, but I will also make photos myself. Um, mm-hmm. So my website does um, cover a variety of elements, um, but yes, they'll interconnect as well. Um, so I will go to the film festivals as well. Um, so that covers my love of film and also travel and Unfortunately, I was unable to attend Paris this year to go to the Paris International Film Festival, but was able to cover that virtually. So um, certainly at the moment, there has been a lot of opportunity to cover the international film festivals whilst we've all been at home. So that has certainly been a really positive aspect at the moment. And I've, um, I've read quite a lot of your work and travel very much is part of it, isn't it? I always learn so much outside of film about food and drink and entertaining as well. Like that's definitely something you have a passion for, am I right? Oh, yes, absolutely. And one of my one of my last trips when I went to um, South Korea, um, probably actually my last really far flung um, trip towards the end of 2019 and there when I went to Busan I was able to go to the area where the film festival was and where they had their film museum as well and so there they had a lot of exhibitions which talk about film and travel and the various film locations that you could actually visit whilst you were there and so it was just really very, very fascinating um, to be able to try to locate some of those areas whilst on holiday and knowing that they were used for various scenes in films um, as part of Korean cinema. And I, and I think certainly it's something that perhaps a lot of films could do if they, um, on their website, mention the various film locations, because a lot of people probably will take film-inspired trips and I know that um, last year as well, when we had sunny days and we were able to um, move around slightly more, um, actually took a day trip to Lyme Regis after watching the film Ammonite. So I think it's certainly a good idea if we have um, lots of insight into the various locations in films, because I think people will travel to see them. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. And and uh, 
spookily, one of my last trips was in 2019 and it was to Paris. And I went to see, you know, certain where certain scenes from Amelie were filmed, all the classics, and then where the original Folie Bergère was. And it's just, it's such a beautiful city, Paris, to, to walk around because you feel like every corner has been filmed or, or appeared in a movie somewhere. So recognisable. So I suppose we can move to the film festival then. So you said it was a success this year, Jenna, even though you had the complications of it being online. So do you want to talk a bit more about the films and your experience of it, like the effort it takes to run a festival? Because you're smiling and you seem very happy, but it must be a lot of hard work. You should be so proud of yourself. (laughs) Yes, yes. Thank you for mentioning uh, the festival this year, the Paris International Film Festival, as uh, Leto Yandos featured 43 projects, 40 films across four categories, and three TV pilots, all around change. So in the feature section, for instance, there was a category for change, a category uh, documentaries for change, also a take care section, for the films around physical and mental health, which is extremely important. Um, And also a category called Epic Stories, in which soundtrack to 16 works. And we're really, really um, excited because we were elected by Film Requesty, the number one film festival to attend in February. We really, we work together hand in hand to make the most exciting experience happen for our attendants and our filmmakers. Uh, because it's a very important moment for filmmakers to get feedback on their film, maybe distribution, um, some partners, some networking, and also just a great time, because festivals, as we know them, the three of us, are really exciting, right? We're excited to go, we're excited to attend, be it as a filmmaker, an attendant, or a partner. It's just, it's a beautiful moment. And I think together with Filmocracy and all our press, like Latoya and partners, it's been a very successful addition, because... There are some perks with virtual edition, if we're fair. For instance, some of the press was really happy they could cover more. As Nalatuya mentioned, like being an international festival, we can have press attending from anywhere. So that's really good for filmmakers to to have more press and also kind of widen their their audience. Um, Something I think that's been extremely exciting is just the wonderful experience with our filmmakers and just championing their amazing films because the programming was really, I have no shame to say, it was really wonderful. And I think Matuya really, really enjoyed watching the films, but there were messages for change. For instance, our documentary, for change winner, Pioneers in Skirts, European premiere, they're screening at the UN in a couple of weeks. And it's a wonderful film to fight for gender equality in our industry. It's not just film and TV, but also film and TV. Um, we are very pleased we have awarded Best Feature Film, the world premiere of Invisible Love. It's a Chinese-Vietnamese-American co-production. Uh, we also picked up the Best International Actor Award for Hong Fong. It's a film by director Guo Xiang. Beautiful film set in 30s French Indochine. And um, also the international premiere of Cream. It's our one of our main winners, we picked up five words. I see Leta, you know, because I think she's so <laughs> It's a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful film. It's a, just a magnificent film. We've just uh, had a wonderful conversation with Jeff Arch, our gerber, and also um, the writer of Sleepless in Seattle, uh, directed by Nora Wright, starring Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. 
of conversation with um, the filmmakers, the creators of this film, Nora Lacouche, the director, and um, Pujina Fekete, the main writer. This is a gem coming from Hungary, a reflection around romance on the screen and romance in life. And it's a message about love and self-love, a beautiful film that uh, has already hit the theater circuit in Hungary, but is also going to be distributed on HBO shortly. They just announced that. So we're extremely pleased. And we really keep also championing our filmmakers after the festival, the, the feeling as Latoyanos of community and support between each other. We really try to do our best to support the films, you know, and also the filmmakers, even for our next projects. So it's been a massive success. Oh, I'm so happy for you. The point of saying this is about distribution as well, as beautiful it is for people yes. to watch all of the films. Uh, if you don't get them out there, then only people in the industry get to see them. And then, you know, that's why you need people like Latoya to write the reviews and say, go and see this and point people in that direction. But if you don't have companies like HBO coming in, because, you know, and, and you know, a film from Hungary, I wouldn't have thought was necessarily top of what they're looking at, particularly if you're looking for, you know, English speaking Western audiences who traditionally aren't willing to see foreign language movies. And it's because they're not necessarily being served them. And then suddenly, you know, I feel like um, one of the good things about the pandemic is people having to rely on streaming services and wanting to try something else when all their favourite shows or their favourite movies, they've watched them or they've finished. And I just love the idea that your virtual this year festival is spreading out, like you said, I think you said, did you say five countries? But basically it's spreading out worldwide, really. Worldwide, we have our filmmakers are from everywhere, and you're very kind. Thank you for mentioning this, and I really want to highlight on what you've just said because, as we say, encouragement is always nice, but it's important for us to see the change. You know, I think audiences, just like all of us, we they are tired of privileges. They want exciting stories on the screen. Also, from new filmmakers that, for some reason, we haven't heard so much yet, um, and we want to see these stories. We want to see this diversity on the screen, be it in front of, behind the camera. Uh, actually, we're very pleased that though we don't, um, we absolutely don't take into consideration gender, origin, sexuality when we pick up the films, when we select the films. As a result, more than 60% of our filmmakers are female. So that's something really interesting. It's the power of attraction. <laughs> and uh, yeah. more than a third are first-time filmmakers. And also we have a script competition and for instance, one of our winners, Shane Isobel, the writer of Irreverence, a beautiful short script um, coming from Ireland because she's Irish. And it's a film we really are very eager to see made. And she mentioned, she won at the festival, but she mentioned that only on the announcement of her selection at the Paris International Film Festival, she secured a producer, only on the selection. And it's important because it's important that the festivals, on top of the community feeling, really are really managed to bring this momentum so that you can really as you say move forward with distribution with your films and it can really go to to the stars it's it's really important so we're very pleased with the successes oh i'm so happy and you you hit on something there as well about confidence with female filmmakers and how 
you know, definitely in my experience, filmmaking still is such a boys' club because people need to feel confident that they, the people they surround themselves with, their cast and crew will do what they want. And then, therefore, people will work with people they've worked with before. And if they're a guy and they've worked with guys before, they'll call the same people back again. And so, as a female filmmaker, you come into this and you don't, you don't have the shorthand because it, it does feel like this club. So I, it makes me so happy that people can use even just the announcement of the festival as something to say, look, I'm here, please come and speak to me um, and not feel like it has to be just um, a club where if you don't know the secret password, you can't get to the next stage of production or distribution. Absolutely. It's not a club. Cinema is such a popular and beautiful art. It's for everyone. We really believe in the power of stories and that everyone should be allowed to have a voice and to be heard. Yeah, I suppose we should hear Latoya's voice. She hasn't spoken in a while. <laughs> you need to be heard. Yes. <laughs> so quickly, I wanted to ask Jana, um, were films completed during the pandemic that were entered into the festival? Oh, yes, yes. Actually, oh. thank you for mentioning that because, so obviously, a lot of the films were filmed before the pandemic and in post-production during the pandemic, but some were filmed during the pandemic. For instance, mm. we have a category called Breaking the Rules, and the winner in the feature section of Breaking the Rules is Tyrants of Tomorrow Telephone. It's an amazing feature about, um, how can I say, about the, how some um, dictators can come to power. It's an American feature, so... I mean, I guess you can guess uh, what it's about. Uh, but what's really interesting is that it's all filmed during the pandemic with puppets and those other actors. So obviously it's completely safe, you know. And, uh, super oh, safe. clever. I like it. <laughs> it's so clever. And it's so <laughs> but with a very important message. It's very, very funny. But um, with obviously a very important message for change. And this is um, the Breaking the, the Rules feature award at the festival this year. Really recommend it. Oh, yeah, it sounds great. And very cleverly made. Um, so, Latoya, I suppose... As I mentioned, the pandemic, how have you found your job has changed in the last year? There have been just so many more opportunities to go to a lot of festivals where I previously may not have been able to. So I was mm. able to um, be part of the press accredited um, reviewers for the Toronto International Film Festival Um and was able to do that virtually, whereas I might have had to travel last year and arrange all the various scheduling and there are inevitably mm. conflicts um, because I I work during the day. Um, so Sundance was there as well, which is which was a really great experience. Um, so with Sundance, they try to emulate as much as possible an in-person event. So you did have um, various blocks whereby you had to watch films at a particular time live as premieres um, and then um, you could watch them at another time but it was very much about encouraging that sensation of actually attending that real life event and having that 
festival buzz and that community as well. Um, so they did have some VR events you could attend um, to see people in person. But where I think the Paris International Film Festival, which was immediately after Sundance, so the very next day, yeah. I remember that. Um, yeah, so I remember commenting that um, it's only in this um, lockdown time that I can go from Utah City to Paris in like a few hours. <laughs> yeah, it is something positive. And also my experience of film festivals is an awful lot of queuing. And it's so nice not to have to queue for an hour for something. And I think Sundance, I've never been Sundance, but I hear that there's a lot of queuing there ordinarily. Yes, I've heard that. I've heard that. So, um, yes, so that's why it was quite nice just to be able to watch those films. And then there were some after parties as well. Um, you could attend all of that. I mean, the time zones were tricky being in London, but, <laughs> but a lot of screenings happened over the weekend. So it meant that you could stay up, um, attend a party, and then you might have another premiere at 2am or something like oh that. Oh my God, <laughs> yeah. As long as you have a cocktail. If I remember rightly, you quite like a cocktail. And then Paris was the next day and the platform was really good. You you even had a virtual tour of the Louvre um, as part of the Paris. Yes. And then little cafes, so like breakout areas where you could actually meet people and you'd see them um, face to face, um, either via Zoom or whichever platform they use and you could be sitting at tables having a conversation um, which was really quite nice it was a really good feature for the festival yeah definitely and te technology is now that we've come so far with technology it helps things so much so a uh, question truthfully how do you feel like your productivity has been in the last year because now you're saying you get to see so many more films perhaps or go to more festivals have you felt like you've had to do more work or I've certainly watched a lot more films than I probably would have been able to physically mm. um, you can quite easily just get so caught up in all of the ambience and the buzz and you hear about um, so many people talking about films during the festivals that you may not have considered watching and so you end up watching them as well. Um, so I have certainly watched a lot and have suffered from festival burnout. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it is it is real, it does happen. Um, mm. and so yes, had to do that plus my day job. Um, so yes, sometimes you're not sleeping very much but it's all <laughs> It's all part of the fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I suppose you have to kind of become your own curator, work out what you most want to spend your time reviewing and writing about because your time's limited. Is that right? Oh, yes, absolutely. And sometimes you forget that, yes, whilst you can watch all of these films, there's also the writing part. And so <laughs> you do have to, at times, prioritise whether you think that you realistically can cover everything as a review or just prioritise those that you particularly felt um, resonated with you or where you really wanted to make a point about them. So, um, yes, it is trying to 
find that time to do it all right and watch films too yeah I think I might in a minute ask you some questions about um whether you have any advice for aspiring reviewers quand je suis sur scène et que je ne suis plus du tout Angèle quand je sens entends vois ce que sent entend vois mon personnage eh bien ça c'est vraiment magique I'd like to ask Jennifer, uh, one of your many hats obviously was making and directing The Golden Age. And how did it come about? How did you manage to, if you don't mind talking about it, secure the funding? And did it start with a script that you, that you wrote yourself? I wrote the script myself. I'm also a writer. And I was so excited to pay tribute to artists and also to 60s Saint-Tropez. It's a story that's never been told before, how in the 60s, Artists from all over the world, be it from the US, the UK, France, really anywhere in the world, and from also different artistic backgrounds, not only cinema, but also music, um, like the Rolling Stones, but also literature, like François Sagan, and obviously also cinema, like Brigitte Bardot, Roger Vadim, really all of them would fly to Saint-Tropez. And I really was so eager to tell this story. So obviously we know it's... Um, It can be really challenging to find some films. When I wrote the script, I was 24. And so I did something really crazy, is that I'm freelancing with Ballypock Film. Actually, Ballypock Film is just now. Uh, it was already before an official French feature company, which is really important because you have access to automatic uh, help uh, by the government. But now it's it's completed a, a further step, so it's a long-term official French feature film company, so we're really excited. And at the time, I did something slightly crazy, is that I went to my freelance employer, so not even my employer, my employer, but as a freelance. So I was yeah. just, just having a check per day, and I told them, okay, so now you need to double my check and a little more, like a meaning, if not, because this film was so important for me, so I had budgeted everything carefully, and I also wanted to make sure it got it got made at a certain date. You know, I had something in mind. And thankfully, because I, I'm hopefully I'm good at what I'm doing, it were great for everyone. So they said yes. And um, so I could I could just finance the film like that. And um, there were there were a couple of, of investors that came on board, but um, yeah, a little more modest. Um, so I was really glad because it, it made the film possible. And also, it enabled me to not only produce it as the only producer, but also make sure that we keep the authenticity of the project. Because this is a film about authentic Saint-Tropez, you know, not... Because obviously, sometimes when you have some investors, they have some input, which makes total sense. I just wanted to make sure this was the story I wanted to tell, which is the story of artists in Saint-Tropez, an artistic story. Um, there's a bit of a romance, but like the, the core of the story really is what it takes to be an artist. A female artist and I really wanted to make sure that you know that even my character wasn't twisted you know how sometimes female characters on the screen for some reason they can end up doing things that are a bit uh, different yeah. from what you see in reality <laughs> so, so it was really important for me and this is why I'm very honored because it, it was my great honor to pay tribute to all the females in the industry and not just through directing but also through, through acting Yeah, so that was my next question, actually. How did you find having to have a dual role? I've, I've heard it's really difficult to, or more difficult to direct yourself. Was it, was it, had you done that before? 
No, not at all. Actually, originally, I wasn't even meant to act in the film. Um, I had uh, cast the lead male, played by Sébastien Cipolla, and I had someone in mind for uh, Angèle, but she, she was unavailable. We knew it at an early stage. So when we rehearsed with our acting coach in LA, who's been my teacher for 12 years, it was really funny because at the end of the session, he said, okay, so Sebastian, you need to work on that. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm just reading the lines, you know? <laughs> I was like, just as the director, you know? And then he was like, oh, no, you guys are perfect. And he was right. It's good in terms of cinematography. It worked really well. And Sebastian was incredible in this role. Like, he, it was his role for sure. And we really were really happy with that. Um, so at the beginning, I, I thought, no, I'm directing, I'm producing, especially a film in 45 locations, exceptional locations. On top of writing, I, I, I was not eager to do it, but my, my team really encouraged me, and I'm very thankful for them for that, because the truth is, yes, a female can direct a, a pure drama filmed in 45 locations and act. It's really challenging, but it's really exciting because what's interesting when you both direct and act, which maybe in France is slightly more common. I'm sure that, yeah, right, you know, some films sometimes, it's, but it's more common for males. Um, and um, what's really exciting is that uh, <laughs> you, you can give directions, um, but also you can play it as an actor in the scene. So sometimes as a director, you can give directions to your actors, but sometimes I could surprise my, my co-actor uh, with just doing it in the scene. So that's that's something beautiful uh, that I loved. And it's so exciting to grow this universe from uh, these different hats because you obviously there's still so many partners and amazing crew members who are working on the project. But it also helps you to still kind of like have a lot of coherence in what you do because... You know, you don't need to call the writer to see what, what he or she thinks. You know, it's you. So it's it's really exciting as an experience. I definitely recommend. I like how you frame it as freedom instead of pressure. Because I was maybe looking a bit negatively, like, oh, I have this role and I have this role. But then you're looking like this can totally be my project because I don't have to try and explain myself to my actress because I am my actress. So I know what I'm trying to convey. Did you have a, I'm guessing you had your DP then do a lot of the filming when you were, and then did you look at rushes afterwards? Is that how it worked? Did you give yourself a lot of takes? <laughs> I'm a very hands-on director. I have a very clear vision of what I want. And I love for everyone to have his or her space. I think they actually have more space when you give them very clear directions. So they kind of know where to go. Uh, in terms of directing and acting at the same time, the main way to do that was really a lot of preparation. So I think I still have it somewhere in my cupboard. I have this huge shot list, you know, like with all the storyboards that I drew. I'm not a very good drawer, but I still storyboarded everything. Um, obviously, there was a very detailed, like, big shot list. Um, and also a lot of, like, rehearsals. Mm. So that's what I think made the filming so, so magical is that when we arrived on set on D-Day, we all knew exactly what we were about to do, what we could do. Even as actors, we knew the frame, you know, we knew if how much we could move, where. So that really helped. Sometimes, so yeah, sometimes I could I could just like, like basically see the footage just after the take. Um, I think sometimes we, we didn't have to do it because with a lot of rehearsals, you kind of get an idea of what you look like. And also it's the perk of acting in the film is that it's about the energy, like there is something as an actor when you're in the scene and 
when you it felt really true, you really feel it. So, but there were a, a, a couple of, I mean, there were so many funny moments. Like I remember there is that um, moment, you know, I thought when I acted it, I thought, oh my God, this is gonna look amazing. And there was no performance, you know. And there is one moment. Well, actually, it 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 is included in the trailer by our rep, so it's not so bad, you know. But it's so funny. It's just a take where I'm waking up, like I'm very sad. And when I did it as an actor, I don't know why I had this feeling it was gonna look <laughs> incredible. And when I looked, I was like, is that it? <laughs> There's like not the right blocking or something. So you're like, oh, the camera wasn't quite on my face when I did this amazing emotion. Yes. Yeah, right. it's a lot about blocking and light and sometimes this je ne sais quoi. But at the opposite, there were some moments. Um, there is this, I'm very inspired by painting and lights, and there was this scene I knew was going to be very challenging uh, because it's it's a moment, um, it's an important moment in the film, and we are face, pretty much facing camera, and all the acting is happening it's all in the acting there is no talking maybe Latvia knows this it's something we do a lot as French filmmakers so it's very popular uh, but we're both kind of facing camera so I couldn't see my character I couldn't see his face because basically he's here and I'm here and I really this is what it, it takes a lot of trust as a filmmaker as an, as an actor because I, I have to, to trust that you know we're both doing the right thing but I really wanted to do this because it's inspired from, you know, the Renoir painting. And it was something that was really important for the characters. And it worked beautifully. When I saw that take right after filming it, I was like, this is it. I was so happy it worked because it, it was really challenging. And I, I see it all the time now in the press. So it's, it's, it's really beautiful to see it work. I have to say, I was so impressed. I think, I think you... You achieved what you wanted because it, it from the trailer it seems so painterly. The colours are beautiful. Yeah, I just that was the thing that that, that stood out to me. How every scene and I can see the, all the different locations because even in the trailer there's a lot of different scenes and moving pieces. And I just thought, wow, the way the the colours pop out is just absolutely beautiful and felt very Saint-Tropez. Where can people see it? Thank you so much. I so appreciate your kind words. You must just join Latoya and myself in Saint-Tropez. We're definitely <laughs> Because I want to say something about that, because you're both in, based in London right now, right, aren't you? So, and there's something I really want to highlight is all the colors you see in the film, all of this is true. It feels exactly as magical in real life. And you understand when you go why it touched so many hearts and even until now an impressionist. And I really want to give my hats off to the color grader because uh, the, the company is London-based. So we spent weeks in his studio uh, in, in London and it was a very delicate work because I really wanted to make sure it really paid tribute to the real central light. So it's very delicate work to reveal the work that is being done with the cinematography and we did it together and we had a great time it was really really moving so really hats off to him um he, his company is priority post in london and it, it was it he really hit the, the nail on it it's exactly how it looks in reality so you should come now so it's been cut a little short in his festival circuit but we're so so thankful for everyone who came to the premieres in the u.s and also in London, literally just before the pandemic hit. And so now, originally, the film was meant to be released in theaters internationally. Mm -hmm. So we're still aiming at that. Our streaming is a wonderful option. So 
we are actually receiving great suggestions right now. So we'll have news about that quite soon. Keep us posted and then we'll keep listeners posted. I now want to talk to both of you really about advice because I wanted to, I always want to make these podcast episodes to be something proactive for women in filmmaking. So Jenna, have you got any advice for aspiring directors or actors or festival producers? Yes, yes. Uh, actually, there is. There could be many advice, but what links all of this is attending festivals. And I'm saying that in general because at festivals, first you can network, you can meet amazing filmmakers, you get a sense of distribution, the audience, the reactions on the films. It's really important. But especially as Latoya mentioned now, now is an excellent moment to attend some festivals at lower costs because you can attend virtually. I remember great times I spent attending festivals, you know, in LA where I had to sleep on friends' couches and walk, you know, and now it's really easy. And honestly, I also know for some filmmakers or actors, they, they don't really, they don't necessarily want to talk to the filmmakers because they feel that they're going to bother them or, you know, promote them. And I'm like, no, talk to them. They love this. They, they are attending the festivals to meet you. And I think there's nothing more professional than an actor attending your screening and telling you, hey, I've attended your screening. I loved it. Because also as an actor, you want to work with filmmakers, but you like their work, right? You don't want to work with anyone. So I, I cannot recommend attending festivals enough and probably now more than ever. Well, that's a perfect piece of advice because I actually think that's relatively achievable at the moment. So thanks very much for that. Now, Latoya, in your experience, so if someone wants to get into film in your capacity, so uh, in terms of reviewing and content, which, you know, is a lot of people's first way in, uh, what would you advise? I would probably say get to writing as you can. So if there are films that you love and you want to make a comment about it, you can do so. There are so many social platforms out there. You could make a video essay on YouTube. You could write comments on Twitter. You can post on Instagram. I would also recommend setting up your own site for writing. Um, so that you have something that's your own. It's your own platform. You own that. Um, so it's really good just to get your writing out there. There are sites such as Medium as well. Um, so really just get writing, get your writing out there. Um, you can also, there are independent publications that will ask for people to pitch to them. So Keep an eye out for those as well, because there are also good opportunities um, so that you can expand your portfolio, learn to write in different ways. And I would always recommend going to festivals. Um, there you can meet other film reviewers, you can meet actors, directors, there are question and answer sessions. That will just fuel your passion even more. You can always write about them at some stage once you've been writing a lot more. You can apply for press presentation. And it's just a really good opportunity um, to meet so many people and network and is a lot of fun. Definitely, I agree that in-person festivals is where I've met so many people who I've spoken to online. And then I'm like, oh, my God, you're a real person. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you really can feel like you know people 
on social definitely yeah actually meeting people and then building friendships as well because I think um within the media industry I actually feel like um networking takes on a slightly different idea which is it's not just about can you help me with my project or can I help you and I think that's very important and the business side but that because of the way film and tv yeah brings out our love hate other strong emotions you also can make a kind of connection that you wouldn't necessarily make if you went to a sales conference or something where you weren't so deeply invested but everyone I speak to is just deeply invested in something within film. Do you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Friendship, trust is really important because when yeah. you make a film, you you really want to. It's it's beside work. You can do it as work, obviously, but like it's so beautiful. It's such a privilege to have a voice and share a beautiful experience with your cast and crew. Like there's no success that is worth just spending with just yourself, right? So like having. <laughs> it's just you want to and even when it comes to work no one wants to work with someone he or she doesn't like and friendship is really important and i think it really helps us to trust because it's such a collaborative experience teamwork so i cannot agree with you more So obviously the podcast is called Beyond Bechdel and we frame pod episodes around the fact that the Bechdel test is an amazing test that we should be using to further women's interest in film but also sometimes it has some problems things are different and we could be going beyond it and look at how we can make the whole of filmmaking viewing distribution etc something that women feel confident that they can be a part of so that (laughs) big explanation aside Latoya first what are your favorite films and are they Bechdel passing Bechdel test passing or failing? So I'm going to mention some recent films. Um, so one of them is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom mm-hmm. and uh, starring Viola Davis and was actually Chadwick Boseman's, um, sadly, um, okay. final appearance on the screen as well. Um, and then you have a really strong woman who is determined to ensure that she has that authenticity over her music, um, that she retains her rights over the music and and really wants things to be organised in a way that's conducive to her. So she really wants to put her stamp on things. And thankfully, that does pass the Brookdale test. Well, that's good. So is there anything that you like that doesn't? Because there's no judgment here. It can. I've, I've often found that you can find a lot of really strong female performances or you can have a strong female director who's only directing male performances and or, or there's an editor or sound or score. And we shouldn't be saying everything has to pass the Bechdel test. But at the same time, you know, it's OK to like something. <laughs> where it doesn't have you got any secret favorites that are failing (laughs) (laughs) I like the fact you have to think that's a good thing that means you're like yeah (laughs) I don't know what what have you seen? What's what what's one of the best things you've seen in pandemic apart from Marini's Black Bottom because we can interrogate it right now 
Because you've obviously watched a lot of films. <laughs> I have. One of my favourites. Okay, so actually I do know I do know one that I've watched quite recently that doesn't pass the test. Yeah. Um, and it's Another Round starring Mads Mikkelsen and um, is primarily about men having a midlife crisis. <laughs> it's nice no I think it doesn't satisfy the test. The women's roles are really quite secondary mm. um, and their wives either nagging their husbands or, or else truly not understanding what their husbands are about. Mm. Um, but it is a very interesting portrayal. It's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. Um, and Mads' performance is just second to none. It's absolutely brilliant with a brilliant dance scene as well. I won't, I won't spoil it. Okay, but, sounds good. <laughs> but it's, it's a very good watch. And, um, it has been nominated for multiple awards. I think it might be, um, I think it might be Denmark's entry for the um, Oscars. I think it we, is, yeah. Um, at the very least, the Golden Globes, but probably the Oscars, yeah. yeah. And I think, and I think, uh, Jenner in France, uh, it's uh, Studio Canal, so Canal Plus that have picked it up, um, and it's doing very, very well. And I would recommend when people watch it have a drink with you um it you'll certainly you'll certainly feel that you want to have a drink while <laughs> uh, have another round during the film <laughs> the all stuff there and do you think that if uh, the main characters had been women it would have made any change to the movie do you think it's a more male story i I think there would have been a huge difference. So perhaps if there were women in the film, they might have been talking about men whilst they're having all of their drinks and sessions. I mean, we've seen quite a few films that may have satisfied that women behaving badly trope where they're all going out mm -hmm. or out and really having that unbridled freedom and quite often whilst they're having all of these cocktails they are talking about men yeah um, <laughs> so they probably would have failed the um, Bechdel test as well but it, but it sounds like it might have passed the reverse Bechdel test where you have a lot of men on screen and they're all talking about women is there a, there's a lot of wife bashing in this movie then um they talk about their women sometimes but it's more about the but that, that would pass the test I'm guessing Jenna so what about yours is the Bechdel test a thing you think about in your writing and your directing for me it's an easy one because I, I really love um, writing and directing female-led stories because I think they're really exciting stories to tell and there are so many exciting female-led stories to tell that have never been told and I think this is what our audiences they want they want to to share and live exciting stories that they've not necessarily seen before. So it's, it's an easy one on that part. Um, for, in terms of films I've seen, they could be so many. I really love God Created Women. It's set in 60 Central Bay, actually. What I love about this film is that, as you probably both know, Brigitte Bardot, she was, I mean, I, I think she was called the, the worst names in some countries in the world, but she did something really big. For, for women because she really paved the, the way to a, a brighter future, not only for actors, female actors, but just women. 
And that's something really important. So definitely nails the Excel test. <laughs> and there is, there is a, another one which is American. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, it's a film I absolutely adore, which is Whiplash by Damien Chanel. And obviously, I love La La Land. I saw it in the south of France, but I, I, I saw Whiplash in the train to Cannes, so very random filmmaker story. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. I, I, I really, I felt really relieved to see a filmmaker who's Franco-American, but also who has such a strong vision in terms of the characters and their stories. Just the way it, it's, it's, it's made is really, really spoke to me. I don't know if it nails the Bechtel test because It's not about a female, but I love the vision behind it. There's a girlfriend, there's the girlfriend role, and then there's his mother's, isn't there, Miles Teller's mother's, but whether they speak to each other, it would be very hard to pass the Bechdel test. And I think that is a movie that you could have had two women in it as well, but the the, the issue being that the, the two main characters are so good at what they do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's hard to imagine anyone else in the movie, let alone gender swap. So, um, but yeah, I'd be surprised if that passes. But um, yeah, that's what you like then, purity of vision. It seems to me that you, you want a real point of view. I think what's really exciting is to see that it really inspired me. And it definitely, Whiplash definitely inspired me to be a filmmaker because it really, I felt such a strong connection. And I think it, it, it's where the key is, is when... Males inspire women and women inspire male. Yeah. I definitely believe in that. We should be championing each other. And I think um, the point it inspired me is, as you say, it's because there is this, um, the, the character has a girlfriend in the story, but the fact that it doesn't happen as you think it would maybe, or it's a bit surprising. For me, it was something really inspiring too, because again, you want to see stories that are exciting or, and that you believe in. Not just stories with females that are not necessarily very uh, believable. Not needing to comment on it, but sometimes, I mean, the, the number of films I watch and when I, I see a female and like really, I, I just don't believe that. No, it's no. the male gaze and female gaze, right? I find it so fascinating when male screenwriters, let's say, um, suddenly think that if they're writing a woman, they have to write something different and then suddenly it becomes a, not a real person but a cipher because when I write things I just I try and just you know you try and have different characters but you, gender isn't so much as long as they they're believable I, I don't know this idea about how when you're writing a different gender you've suddenly got to change how a person speaks and I think when, when you see that on camera it can I, I know the feeling it's just like Argh! Um, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else you want to say to listeners? Well, you can follow us. We always love to hear from you. We love, we think any, anyone, even someone living on an island, and like no matter where you are from, no matter where you live, especially now, right, you can, you can have a voice. Um, you can film safely, like our Breaking the Rules filmmakers proved. And always feel free to reach out to us. We are Arubas at Paris Intel Fest website and all socials I, i'll go i go by at genesu real on instagram and always feel free to reach out to us because we're here to support and bring change with you and are you working on the next festival already wow yes. there you go. lots of developments for filmmakers and the, the conversation with jeff arch on our youtube channel i highly recommend you follow the festival 
First International Film Festival on YouTube. We have a lot more coming up, but this conversation with Jeff Arch and the filmmakers of Cream, Fru and Nora, both females, is just incredibly inspiring. I really yeah. recommend it. Brilliant. And Latoya, what, what's on your schedule next? What are you looking forward to? There will be some coverage for Glasgow. There's also South by Southwest coming up. And then I think there might be the European Independent Film Festival in April as well. Um, so, yes. Um, Never stops I'm, for you either. <laughs> indeed. And new releases as well. Um, so I will have some reviews out um, for some new releases as well. Um, but again, if um, people do wish to get in contact either with questions or filmmakers who wish for um, their films to be reviewed, um, these may be films that don't have distribution or do have distribution entering the festival circuit or are um, a new release that are coming out, um, then I am available on social platforms, so Twitter and Instagram at Frongley27, and the website is frongley27tales.com. Great. Oh, thank you thank both you. so much, and good luck with everything in the future. It sounds like it's bright for you both. Yes, thank you for having me. Likewise. Thank you for making it to the end of the podcast. This one was particularly difficult to edit. It's not perfect audio. Um, sometimes that's the case when you deal with more than one person and people are based in different countries and my internet isn't perfect. Um, so I've tried my best. I, obviously, if you have any criticisms or comments or helpful advice on how to improve the audio, then please email us at beyondbeck at gmail.com or beyond underscore Beckdale, B-E-C-H-D-E-L on Twitter. And to play us out some music from the golden age, Jenna's film. Till next time. Mm-hmm.